Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the show, the big show, the most important, critically acclaimed show, the highest rated show of any podcast out there that is recorded in our car. And that's right, we are on the road again, heading to central Missouri at the moment. We've been going there a lot lately. It's fun stuff, right? We're off to off on the road to uh, a project we're working on. So, welcome to the show. We need we're, it's spring, and we've been talking about planting, and this is a different kind of planting because I'm I'm really struggling with, you know, we need a little bit more money, and so I've been thinking about planting a money tree. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, don't you? I, I haven't been able to find a seedling, but we're, that's where one of the things we're looking for is a seedling for the money tree. I've, I've heard that's an Asian species. Maybe that's why China's economy's been so good lately. Maybe it is. I don't know, because we haven't, uh, we haven't had, we don't have a money tree. And now, they we don't live in Northeast Missouri. I can no, tell you that. We live in town. So we just do not have the room to grow a cash cow. You know, that takes a lot of room. You gotta have a field, you have to be fenced in, so we cannot, we can't really grow a cash cow where we are. You're really gonna milk this analogy for all it's worth, aren't you? Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> you better believe it. I scream for cash. <laughs> oh, I'm He's sorry. Full of sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to butter you up. We could do this, sadly, we could do this all day. <laughs> we won't, cause you would leave. And <laughs> yes, you'd that hang would make up us lonely. And... <laughs> That's right. So why I, can, I can just hear it now. Hey, Spice. Hey, Salty. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Hey, could you not do those puns anymore? <laughs> I'm going to hang up now and listen on the radio for your response. Thank hey, you. Thanks, bye-bye. <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about Cash Day. Cash is king in the world that we live in. And it's kind of weird if you stop and think about it because cash is just absolutely silly. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about cash, where it comes from, where it originally came from, and why you need to keep a significant amount of the silly stuff in your wallet or in your, in some place safe and easily accessible. And keep it with you when you travel. And keep it with you when you travel. In fact, I've got some Canadian cash. No kidding. I've got Canadian cash. I haven't been in Canada for months. But, yeah, I've got Canadian cash in my wallet because you never know when you're going to end up in Canada. If you're us, you really actually never know when you're going to end up in Canada. And you never know when you need to prevent your wife from buying something at a vending machine because she picked up Canadian quarters when she <laughs> filled her pocket. Not that that's happened, happened or anything. Recently. Uh, <laughs> she lied. Yeah. So, anyway, long story short, yeah, Missouri is nowhere near Canada, but you... <laughs> You know, actually, in the winter, we don't generally go to Canada. In the summer, you never know with us. It could be a weekend, and we could be in Quebec or in Ottawa or in Ontario somewhere. Who knows? probably would know because we'd podcast from there. Yeah. Why cash? Why cash? Why cash? Because when there is any disruption of Internet service, cell service, or power, the first thing to go is credit cards. And a lot of people just carry credit cards now, and they expect to be able to 
get right. whatever they want with a wave of the magic plastic. But when the readers go down, the vendors are going to be unwilling to sell on plastic. Back in the olden days, back when, when credit cards first came out, they had those Indian, those those raised up numbers on them. And you could put them in a little credit card machine, and they had a little uh, several a layer thick piece of paper that you'd go across the machine. It would make an indentation of the credit card so that that credit card could later be processed. Those days are gone, long gone. You can't do that anymore. Uh, the credit cards that I have in my wallet have the chips on them, the RFID chips, and they also have no raised letters. They're just painted on there. So even even anybody with those old machines who could process them the old way can't do that anymore. So if, like she says, the Internet is down or there's no phone line available, you're not getting your credit card process. I have yet to find many people that will not accept cash for something. Legally, cash is always a uh, legal tender. But that doesn't mean everybody will accept it. Generally, though, people will take cash. People prefer cash. Emergencies take cash. Emergencies take cash. So... We always carry some cash with us. It's part of our, it's part of our uh, preps. I mean, we have our get get home bags. They all have cash in them. Our wallets. We keep cash in them. We don't go anywhere without cash, because you never know when you're going to need it. And, and it has saved me on several occasions when, oh, for example, the credit card company has decided, rightly or not, that somebody was using my card number fraudulently. And shuts down the credit card? Right. So this doesn't have to be a major calamity worldwide. It could be just your personal cards that, for whatever reason, have gotten blocked. You've still got the ability to uh, buy what you need to get yourself home if you got cash. Right. And I don't mind a credit card company that, that's very aggressive on their their anti-fraud stuff. I don't. That doesn't bother me at all because I, I don't want fraud. So... When I carry, personally, I carry two credit cards in my wallet, only two. And I have the numbers recorded off. I keep a copy of everything so that if my wallet is lost or stolen, and I'm not really good about keeping track of my wallet because I don't generally leave it in my pocket. Uh, if it's lost or stolen, I know right away who to call to get that card stopped. Important prep, by the way. Important prep. For a very common emergency. Yes. So, you know, and I know there's apps and stuff like that on your phone, but phones require power. And sometimes they just don't work. And sometimes they don't work. Phones require the cell phone to be, you know, we go to places there is no cell phone service. I know. Scary, right? We just go to places there is no cell phone service. We go to places where we cannot afford to use the cell phone service. For example, Canada. Canada. If you go across the Canadian border, you turn your data off. Trust me on this. This is my this is my heart to your heart. If you do not want to drive across Ontario with your data on, if you don't have a Canadian plan, because it will cost you a fortune in data charges. Even if you're not using it, you're, if you have an iPhone or something like that, it always uses data. It keeps track of where you are. And so every tower you're hitting, you're getting a data roaming charge. And a Canadian data roaming charge is a frightening thing. 
it can be thousands of dollars. So just watch that. Okay, there's that's a tip. It's not really a prepping tip. That's just a turn your date off if you're going to Canada tip. Besides uh, folding money, it's important to have some amount of money as uh, coins. Yes. Because vending machines take coins. And if everything else is closed, you're hungry, you're thirsty. What can you often find if you live in a populated area? Vending machines. Oh, the blessed vending machine. The blessed vending machine. I have been known to jump on my bike and go for nice long rides. By nice long rides, she means 30, 40, 50 miles each way. Yeah. So, pretty long rides. And we live in a very rural area. We do. Just let you know. We do. And I went for a ride one day, and it was hotter than I expected. And I, I had spare water. But I have a rule. You, it's There's a thing called in diving called the rule of thirds. Right. Where you use a third of your gas to go in and expect to use a third of your gas to go out, but then you have a third of your gas in reserve. I do that when I'm biking because sometimes you get a flat or you have to fix something and you're out there longer than you expect. And being out on a very hot day trying to exercise without enough water is actually an enormously bad idea. So I, I use the rule of thirds. It was a beautiful day and I didn't want to turn back, but it was really hot and I'd been sucking down the water. And I know better than to not suck down the water when I want to when I'm biking. So, oh, I was almost to the point where I regretfully had to turn back after only, you know, 15 miles or so. When I found the blessed vending machine at the isolated co-op buying station. And nobody there, because somebody's there like one week out of the year when they're taking crops. I mean, this is, she's talking about an elevator, in case you... you know. Green elevator. Green elevator. For those it's actually think elevators yeah, it's, just move people up and down buildings. It's not yeah. really an elevator because it is more of a buying station. They buy the grain and then it goes right, it goes right out on the railroad. So, but you know, it's just. But they had a pop machine, and it required coins. And you had coins in my bike bag, lots and lots of coins. So I was able to uh, feed in a couple of ice cold Gatorades worth of coins. And that allowed me to extend my ride on a on a beautiful day. Now we yeah. have since we've since made a modification to her to her road bike, adding those two extra water bottle carriers, so she can carry a lot more water than she used to be able to. And so that kind of ends that problem. But she's still it's the blessed machine. Every time we go past there, she's like, "Oh, there's my blessed machine." I've also used it when I've gotten snowed in at work, and everybody else goes home, but. My home is too far away, and I can't drive there, so there I am, stuck there late at night. The only thing available is a vending machine. You're not sad you have it, especially if the uh, dollar, uh, the paper money acceptor breaks, which is the most common thing to break on a vending machine. Yeah, how many times have you stuck in a dollar bill and it rejects it? Happens all the time. You may have dollar bills, but they may be wrinkled, you know? So or sweaty money. if you've been biking, wet yeah. if you've been in the rain. So, yeah, money. Cash money. Keep it on hand. It's a critical prep. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't carry it. A lot of people don't put it in their cars. You're like, well, it could be stolen. Yes, it could be. But I can't seriously recall any time that I've lost a major amount of cash money where I didn't lose my entire wallet. There was that one time, which I never got the wallet back from that one. Uh, I had accidentally left it on the top of the car when refueling the car. And I drove off, and it ended up in a ditch. And I never, it was never to be seen again. 
I have since put tiles, those little tile things, in my... GPS locators? GPS. Well, it's not. It's a Bluetooth locator. Okay. What it does is it is the tile talks to my phone all the time. It says, oh, hi, I'm here, I'm here. And then the last time, the last time that you saw uh, this tile, saw your phone or your wallet was at this location. We used it just today. In fact, I'm like, okay, we're heading out. We're going, we're going south. I'm going to get gas before we go because I don't like to take off with, you know, less than a, less than a decent amount of gas. We're going to get gas before we go. Oh, my wallet's not here. What did I do with it? So I'm like, okay, last seen wallet was, and it gives me street address, which is our house. Last time the wallet was seen was four minutes ago at our house. Okay. We turn around, we go back, and can't find the wallet. She she went in to look for the wallet. Well, I, I did a little chore that I needed to do anyway. So I am a fairly expert wallet finder, by the way. Yeah, by now, because anyway. I leave it all over the place. And she couldn't find it. So I go in... After about three or four minutes, I realized that she probably can't find it. So she's looking at all the usual places, and it's not anywhere. So I clicked the little tile app, and I clicked the little um, button to find my tile. And it starts singing. It, it starts singing. From I've got it set to, like, jingle bells. <laughs> I don't know why. I think I set it up in December. <laughs> so it's doing singing jingle bells. And we're walking around. Where is it louder? Where is it louder? Where is it louder? There it is. And I had been wearing sweatpants this morning because I was, you know, getting ready for my morning workout stuff. And my wallet was in my sweatpants. And I had left them in an unusual place. I left them in a pile on the floor in the other room, which I don't normally do. I it, virtually it never back put. behind something. Yeah, I, and it you know, kind of fallen down behind something. It's like, well, it would have been quite a while before I thought to look there. And I don't even recall why I put them there. I think they fell off of, off of what I was carrying or something. Because that was not a place that I would ever normally put any but piece of clothing. Then neither is the refrigerator. I would have found them there, too. Yeah, well, yeah, I've, I found my wallet. My wallet's been in the refrigerator <laughs> because I was unpacking. Cold cash, guys. Cold cash. <laughs> cold cash. Hard cold cash. That's right. So, yeah. So those tile things, I highly recommend them. I've gone through. The one thing is they're kind of expensive and they only last about a year. But, man, they save me a lot of time. My keys, each of my keys has, has a tile on it. It just helps me keep track of, I'll look at, where is this? Oh, that's at my work address. I guess I left it in my my office drawer. Okay. It removes a lot of stress from your life. Okay. That's the tile diversion. Yeah, well, it was actually not that much of a diversion because it, you know, it's okay. a prep. We won't count that one against you. That's a prep. The tile things are a prep for it not losing stuff. It is for stuff. minor little emergencies. For me, yes. yes. It's, it minor is. Minor but common emergencies. All right. Yeah. Go right ahead. Uh, you had other things you wanted to say about cash. I yeah, cash. Now everybody knows you know, there, there's a there's a whole, there's an industry. Okay, there is an entire industry in the prepping community built around cash alternatives. Yep, there's there's a ton of deer out there in that six field. Six deer out there in that field. Nice looking crew. They're outstanding in their own field. Yeah, a bunch of deer, whole herd. Um, everybody knows in the prepping community there is there are the metal people, the precious metal people. Okay, we all know this. They're out there selling gold. They're selling silver. 
They are used, they're saying, you need to have X amount of money on hand in precious metals. You need to have X amount of money in your investment portfolio in precious metals because precious metals are what's going to, are going to be transitional wealth. They'll be worth money no matter, or they'll be worth, they'll have tangible value no matter what the money system is doing. Okay. Paranoid what, Prepper did a nice piece on yeah. that. Paranoid Prepper did a real nice piece of it. I am not talking about this. This is not what I'm talking about. That be that that's a be that as it may kind of a deal. Yeah. Let Paranoid Prepper talk to you about that when he's yeah. good at it. He's an economist. My point being, a lot of people are concentrating on the fact that money is what's known as a fiat currency. There is nothing supporting our money supply other than the good faith and credit of the United States government. It is basically, money is, this money, fiat currency, is worth something because the person who you give it to is willing to exchange the money for either the product, the service, the labor. It's a willing exchange of, I will give you X, for Y amount of money. I will give you five hours worth of work for $100. Just pulling that off. Or $50. Or what? It doesn't matter. It's a convenient Pick fiction that we all agree to share. Right. It's a, it is more a workable. fiction that we all agree to share to make the economy work. So, and I'm not going to get into the economics. Again, Paranoid Prepper did a nice article on this. I highly suggest you read it. This is not, that's not really the point about what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, though, there is no intrinsic value to the money. It is a piece of paper. It is only worth what people are willing to accept that it is worth. Okay? So people will say, well, you should have silver because you can barter silver. If the money is that not, only has value because right. people okay. feel like collecting silver. If people get hung up on this, yeah. here's my point. All of that may be true, but up until such time that people refuse to accept the money for services, for labor, up until that time, you need to have the money. This is the important part. Up until that point in time when people will not accept money as payment, you need to have the money. and You need to have it on hand. You need to have it in greenbacks, actual physical money. There may be a day if the stuff hits the fan where people will not accept money. And at that point in time, you need to have an alternative. You need to, know, you need to have the other plan going on. Again, I'm not attacking any anything anybody's doing with precious metals or any other barterable item. That's good. This is when you're going to need to have the skills. You're going to need to have uh, other things to trade if that comes about. But until that point in time, cash is king. And we need to not forget that. I think in prepping communities, that gets way overlooked because people are so concentrating on all this other stuff there for when money isn't 
important. Because it's important until it's not important. And that will be like flipping a switch. It will either be all in or all out. There's a really good example of this in one of the prepper fiction books. Well, it's not even really a prepper fiction book. It's a fiction book that I recently reread for the umpteenth time. It's one of my favorite books. A book called Die is the Fire. Here's the scenario. They have had a uh, reality-changing event, you know. Consider it an EMP on steroids. <laughs> okay? And during the first days after the change, which is what they call it, you know, the, the car stopped working, electronics stopped working, in this book, firearms stopped working, but we're, we'll set that aside for the moment. It is basically an EMP scenario on steroids. We have a group of people who are going out to the country. They're going to be setting up uh, some farming because they're going to live. They're, you know, they want to. They want to survive. They're bugging out, and on their way out, they stop in a small town with a general store that has seeds, that has implements, and you know the the guy who runs the general store. This is just a couple days after the change event. The guy who runs the store says, do you know what's going on? And they said, well, I think something fundamental has changed. Our, the world as we know it has ended. And the guy said, oh, yeah, well. You know, he, is not, has, he doesn't have the mindset of somebody who recognizes that Tiawaki has happened. Okay, he's, a, if, to use a proper phrase, which you kind of hate, it's sheeple. He's a sheeple. And he, basically, he's a store owner, and he expects everything to return back to normal. And, but the people who are the heroes of the story are good, honest people. They can't lie, lie their way through the situation, or they won't. So the guy says, what do you think's happened? And he said, well, I think the world has ended as we know it. I think that the cities are going to become... Uh, total, complete disaster areas. People are going to be killing each other left and right. It's just going to become mass chaos, and we're getting out of here. And we'd like to buy all the stuff from you, and we'll offer you to pay you in money if you're dumb enough to take it. That's the exact spread. You, if you, if you'll take it, we'll buy it from you. We're going to tell you up front, we think, you know, you're crazy to sell it. I'm paraphrasing. But if you're basically dumb enough to sell it to us, we'll buy it from you. And he kind of laughs and says, well, I'm here to sell stuff. Um, Will you take a personal check? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Use a check, you know. And in another part of the story, they want to uh, uh, another set of the characters went right away to buy some some weapons and other camping gear. And the guy said, yeah, I can buy them from a friend of mine. He's not really a friend, or I wouldn't do this. And I'll take the money. It won't be worth anything in two days, but it is now. It's been an element in a large number of the books of that genre I've read because it seems very 
It seems very real, because so many people have spent so much of their lives trying to accumulate money, that even if logic tells them that, hey, what am I going to use this for? People, you know, there's nothing left to buy. It's going to be very hard for some people to break out of the mindset of accumulating money. I want to talk just briefly about where money basically came from. Way back in the day, and I'm talking about in America, I'm not going to talk about the rest of the world because I'm not as familiar. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a historian, and uh, I do know quite a bit about uh, 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th century America. And this was uh, around the time of the Civil War. There were, there were banks. There were banks all over the place, and each of these banks issued their own bank notes. Okay? And up until the Civil War... The United States never had a problem paying its bills because it really didn't spend that much money. And they went from a several-million-dollar budget, basically overnight, to billion-dollar budgets because they had this humongous war against their own people that they had to finance. Of course, the South never really had any government. They were just, they were part of the United States. They were states in the United States. And, but they had a national government. They had a war they had to, to pay for. How were they going to pay for it? Well, one of the ways that the South decided to pay for you know, well, I guess, well, we'll have to start taxing people. Well, taxes were a big no-no back then. So that really wasn't worth, you know, they couldn't really do import and export taxes because they were being blockaded. So they basically paid for most of the war by printing money. And the, the Confederacy itself printed money. And there was nothing to back this money except for a little bit, sorry, a little bit of gold and the good faith and credit of the Confederate States of America. And that good faith wishful and credit. Wishful thinking, in other words. Hmm? Wishful thinking, in other words. Yeah, I mean, well, people basically, they, and they, of course, had bonds too, which they sold war bonds. But most of the money, the, the, War was paid for if Confederate dollars, green uh, Confederate printed money. And as the war went on, that money became absolutely valueless. Because as the Confederacy got weaker and weaker, the money became toilet paper. There was inflation on the Union side as well. It wasn't nearly as bad. And the Union did have some gold reserve to back up their their money. But in the 30s, we took the, and this is way beyond the scope of the podcast, we took the uh, U.S. dollar and just, and basically. Took it off the gold standard. Yeah, we took it off the gold, the, the, the precious metal standards in the 20th century. And the, I'm not going to go into all that. You, you all can read it as much as you want to about that. So it became a true fiat currency. There is nothing behind the dollar except for the good faith and credit of the United States government. Nothing. But, but as, long as, you, as long as people yeah, as long as you're willing to, to accept that for your labor, as long as you're willing to accept that for the goods that you own, it's got value. And that is the key. That is something we need to keep in mind both things. First of all, is there actual value to money? Yes and no. Until such a point in time, though, that nobody will accept it, you need to have it. You need to have it on hand. So especially in the time periods right after an event, there will be a lot of people still willing to take it. They might be asking for a whole bunch of it relative to what they would have taken two days before. 
but they're still willing to take it. And if they've got stuff you need, it's going to be worth it to you. Having the green folding money on hand, it, it's actually much easier to talk somebody into buying something when you show actual show them actual dollars than if you, well, certainly not if you write a check, but give them a credit card or whatever. Even if those things are being accepted, it's a lot easier to get somebody to take something if you give them money. There's been lots of times in our life when somebody's been waffling, ah, no, I don't really want to sell that. I'll give you cash. Okay. <laughs> give you cash today. Oh, all right, then. You wave cash under people. And this is one of the things that, that uh, some people teach uh, as part of their uh, way of doing financial management. And it's very true. You wave cash, and I mean actual greenback dollars under somebody who knows. You just pull it out and start counting those bills off, and you can get a deal almost every time. That's how you get a deal. I remember there was one time. We didn't pay actual cash. We paid a check for it, but there was one actual time. I was looking for a bicycle, and uh, I wanted a, uh, a – I loved this bicycle, but I wanted a cheaper version that I could ride out on the trails. I didn't want to, you know. And we went to the bicycle shop, and it was on a Friday morning. I had the day off. And I asked the guy, you know, could you order the cheaper version of this, the aluminum version instead of the carbon fiber? And he says, well, I've got a carbon fiber one right here. I said, I, yeah, but I, that's like a thousand bucks more than I, I want to. And he says, How, give me a minute. And he did some calculations and stuff like that. And he, he shot me a price. He said, if you can pay me today. If you can pay me today. And he gave me, like, I was like, half price. I, the guy was losing money on the bike. It was basically the same price as the aluminum one now. Yeah. And I'm like, and uh, I'm like, sure. I, I don't have that much cash. I, mean, I can write you a check. And he said, well, the check, will the check clear today? Yes, the check will clear today. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I have plenty of money in the checking account. He said, all right. Now, I will have to go ahead and call him in and have them, have them clear it. I'm like, why are we? He says, I got to make payroll at four o'clock. And I can either do this or increase my loan. I'd rather do this. It was a bike store in February. It was a bike store in February. And I'm like, ah, deal. Do it. It's, it's ready to go. He would rather go ahead and lose a couple hundred dollars on the bicycle and take care of a good customer. Because I mean, he's given he's given a customer that you know has bought a lot of stuff from him a good deal because we were ready to go for it. So the power of cash or having the cash available. Now, this was more back in the day when checks were more you know because checks are pretty much a done deal now. But even when we bought the place, because we could tell the guy we have the money oh, yeah. in the bank today, and we can write it for you today. Yeah, that's absolutely that saved us thousands of dollars. Yeah, that saved us. We we cut an offer to the guy, and, and the the agent said, "Okay, I know what he really needs to have out of this one." He's not going to take that. He is not going to take that offer because it was like, oh, I want to say seven hundred dollars an acre under what he was asking, real money under what for he was twenty five acres. Well, it's bigger than that, but you know, for a I don't know exactly. It's, it's not an exact acreage. Yeah, it's a plus or minus. It's kind so of a something like that. Yeah, it's, it's bigger than twenty five, but it's lower than forty. Uh, it's because it kind of cuts across. No, the, when it, I when I walked it, I didn't. It's a more or less. It it's one of those more or less deals. Literally, it, the description reads more or less. 
it's got a, a physical border because the highway kind of cuts catty corner across. Yeah, you don't need the details. But it's not even really a highway, is it? It's just a county road. It's barely, barely paved. Barely paved. <laughs> yeah, it's paved, but just sort of. Um, anyway, long story short, it's kind of a weird little parcel, the way it, it's laid out. And that was kind of, so that allowed us, he, he had it all listed as one thing, but it allowed it to be easily cut off so we could just buy this chunk of it. And he was asking, I don't want to mention the price, but let's just say $4,000. It wasn't that much, but say $4,000. And we, you know, his minimum price was like, would have been like 3500 We offered him twenty eight, But thirty five was his minimum price. But that was our deal. But we have the money in the bank. We can close on this now. As soon as you can get the, um, as soon as you can get the uh, closing set up, we can close immediately. We don't have to go to the bank because getting money loaned on land that has no house on it that's is just is really difficult. It's really really difficult. But we had the money. We'd saved up the money. You know? We got a deal. We got a heck of a deal. And he's like, okay, I can get this off my plate. This is less money than I was wanting to take, but it's today. It's not next week, next month, next year. I can get this part done. And having that one section sold made it easier for him to sell the other section. Because they're separated. Which is why we could get it done that way in the first place. It wasn't an emergency situation, right. but I don't see the, the, the other section being any different otherwise. The other section was much bigger. This was just this one little section, and then the other is like, oh, I think it was 130-something acres or yeah, much bigger area. So if you wave money under people's face, you get a deal. All right. Cash on hand. You can get you home. Cash on the barrelhead. Get you home. So carry some cash. I know a lot of you people are out there listening to say, oh, I don't ever carry cash. Well, it is time to change. What would you be your recommended minimum? 100? That's if you're not out of town? In, if you're in town? That's what's in my bag. Yeah. That's, I have 100 tucked away just that I don't I ever touch. I about 25, 30 miles from where I live. Yeah. And so that's my regular daily commute. So me and my car are usually within an hour's drive of home, and 100 is what I make sure I keep in my bag in my car. I have, I keep enough. My basic goal is how much would it take to get us home in cash money? That's what I carry. So if I'm on, on I'm in Ontario, you know, it's going to cost us, a, you know, $500 a piece to get home from Ontario. Well, I'll take $1,000. That's my and rule. He keeps a chunk of it, and I keep a chunk of it, and we put a chunk of it in one piece of luggage, and we put a chunk of it in another piece of luggage. Yeah. So it's spread out, so we're unlikely to lose it all. Yes. When we go on big bicycling tricks, uh, trips, you can roll up the cash and put some in the handlebar of the bike and put the end cap back on the handlebar. Yep. And that has saved Safe us says, when yeah, the bike broke a long way from home once when we were on a trail ride. Yeah. And we really needed a repair, and he didn't take anything but cash, and he wouldn't take a personal check from people that far away from home. 
we're like, oh, wait, if we pull off this end cap, voila. We've got 70 <laughs> bucks or whatever it was, you know. Yeah. I broke a wheel, you know. So there we are. Okay. We'll talk to you next time.